you know, he was presenting himself as a YouTube executive on calls. And he had a fake YouTube email that I'm a YouTube representative from this to represent Aussie media. <laughs> Can bro. you imagine? You're lying that you're a YouTube executive. Like you are, that is just crazy to me. podcast this is the podcast where we receive stories tips and tactics from entrepreneurs who have done it today is a wild card episode this is an episode where we shoot the shit you know this is our first Talk episode that shit, man. facts this is the first episode since our 100th episode so i'm excited to just chop it up and this you know cracks you was good yeah but yo you know who is on something with business right now who rory and mall Rory and Mall. By the way, for the people who don't know Rory and Mall, because we're going off a first name basis. Ooh. Who is Rory and Mall? Rory and Mall from Joe Budden Podcast. You know, um, they recently closed the deal with Stitcher mm-hmm. worth ten million. Ten million. And from what they're saying in the interview, they've retained their ownership, which is a big deal for mm-hmm. for um creators. So what I find interesting about this is this is the impact of what podcasting can do. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, too, is that a lot of people are going to look at this and say, yo, I can be this. I can do this. I can do what I you do. Know? Yeah. And this is rare air. We have to we have to keep it real. It's rare. It's rare air. You know I'm saying so. Hopefully this can be continued with other people who are not influencers and start podcasting and get to that point. But at the same time, we are seeing the movement from Joe Budden's podcast right so people who associate with joe budden's fame saying so it's hard to say that if we can associate this with a call her daddy a joe rogan you know what i'm saying it's a bit difficult Mm -hmm. but we can still say that hey this is a great move for creators yeah because people are seeing the value in creators even facebook is pivoting towards facebook right Mm -hmm. now i mean well pivoting towards facebook's pivoting towards podcasts right Mm -hmm. now because they realize that people are staying on the platform for longer. Like, we, I don't know if I told you this, but I did our RSS feed to Facebook, eh? I saw the notification. Like, yeah. I, was gonna, I, was like, yeah I, was like, I was like, oh, nice. Like, we're doing this. So, I didn't know the whole Facebook landscape of podcasting. I mm-hmm. knew, like, they were kind of dabbling into it. But it didn't seem, I don't know if it's fleshed out as deep as it is. I know it's like a beta. Is it? Mm-hmm. Like, it's in the it's early phases right now. Early stages. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But what it is, is Facebook's realizing that people are staying on platforms for long period of t- periods of time. Mm-hmm. So how can they capitalize on that? And Spotify has an ad studio mm-hmm. that has both um, audio and video, whereas Facebook does not have audio. Mm-hmm. So what do they do? They add the RSS feed to it so they can have audio ads going forward. So my prediction is that within the next year, there will be ads audio ads on facebook that you can have audio ads audio ads but how do you think that's gonna play on in the whole instagram facebook the whole ecosystem of facebook with audio ads when it's always been a photo video first platform like how do you see that changing for like a product like facebook so basically you're adding rss feed to it so it literally be a picture of the podcast and that uh thing so mm-hmm. basically just be a break in the rss feed mm-hmm. For that ad. Mm. So you're listening to a podcast, let's say Hustle Over Everything, mm-hmm. Rogan Mall, Joe Budden, whatever podcast you're listening to, mm-hmm. and there'll be a break for an ad. And honestly, this is big news for creators because Facebook has a billion people. Yeah. You know, we noticed when the blackout happened how dependent we were on Facebook and Instagram, specifically WhatsApp and Instagram. Those are like the two main ones that I feel like people really felt it on. By the way, I never got to ask you about that. You worked, you're working as a digital marketer. Yeah. I know that impacted you heavily. But on a personal level, did you enjoy the fact that you were not on Instagram? You could not. I found it refreshing mm-hmm. that I was not on IG, Facebook, scrolling mindlessly. I was like, "Wow, this is what really life is." Because you always find yourself the way we go on TikTok just to check out a TikTok. I was like, "Ah, oh, let me see. Let me refresh the feed. Let me go check it out." I was like, "You know what? I like this, man." But before going to the personal side, just a segue. How did that impact you with the whole? blackout like because you have a wise, business personal business wise it was fine i communicated with my clients yeah. and we let them know hey this is blackout yeah it should be two days there wasn't your ads running loose you know what i'm saying yeah. it wasn't like the ads had to continue running and it was impacting business like that mm-hmm. it was like hey the ad stopped we can't run it it's just, it's just that simple just simply exactly. yeah, yeah so it wasn't nothing bad and it wasn't and they weren't thinking hey facebook's gonna stay out it's a billion mm-hmm. company they're gonna mm-hmm. figure out a way to get back online yeah 
You know, it's not like they, they're going to get hacked. One thing I, I want to say, though, is that when I was at Facebook's head office, mm-hmm. they actually brought up that they were hiring um, developers for attacks. For a what? For attacks. Attacks. Because Explain they were that. getting so much attacks that they oh, were just attacks. hiring people to, you know, defend the, the platform. Mm-hmm. You know, because even me personally, I've had my Facebook account um, attacked, attacked, hacked, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I lost all that, all the past pictures of my ex, uh, all them stuff. Like memories gone, gone, gone. The dream. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah. So it happens. And what I realized, what I found out, not realized, is they're, they're worth money. A Facebook profile is worth about a dollar to two dollars on the black market. Mm-hmm. So. You know. you know, going back to the Rory and Ma thing, right? Ten yeah, million is, we is, is not a joke. Not a joke. Ten million dollars, and that's their own company. Uh, details of the deal are not really disclosed of like how much percentage Stitcher is getting. But one thing about if people who are coming new to this, Rory and Ma used to be part of the Joe Button podcast. Uh, they were rolling with Joe from the get go. They had a couple breakdowns within their relationship because Joe was not letting them in into what was going on business wise. Uh, meetings would happen. They're not included. Uh, financials are being spoken about. Joe's telling them it's none of your business. How's it none of my business when I am part of the product? I'm the one making the show pop with you, so I should be let in on this. So that's a little background information on this guy. So what I want to ask you, does Joe deserve credit for Rory and Ma's success? No. Why? Because he let them go. He definitely does not. But, bro, they're he, gone. Think about it. What are you talking about? Without without Joe Budden, there's no Rory and Ma. So? So, like, he doesn't I'm, deserve any kind of credit. No, because they, he looked at, he looked at Rory like, like he, he was nothing, you know, and fired him. Like, right on the spot. Like, right on the spot on this podcast. He fired him. About, he fired oh, him. He's not what? imaginary Rory sitting right there, like, Rory, you're you, fired. You're fired. He still feels like he has choices and options. He feels like he's entitled to more. Rory, you are in breach of your contract. And from this point forward, you are fired and you're not welcome back. Does anybody in here have a problem that I'm the person that has to say that? Talk about, oh, are you kidding me? This guy's psychotic, man. You're firing an imaginary person sitting right there. Roy, you are fired. (laughs) That was hilarious, dog. That was hilarious. But, bro, I I, I disagree with you. I think Joe Budden, he is what LeBron is to podcasting in, like, the hip-hop culture sphere. Anyone, let's say Ish and and Nice. Mm Mm-hmm break off after a year and they go start their own thing they're all recipients of joe buttons like tree like the same way in basketball you have like the popovich tree like coaching everyone who comes from pop they can easily get a deal they can easily get a job everybody who comes from like nick nurse are you know he won the chip people are poaching our coaches to go start on like their head coaching jobs that's what i'm saying button has a ability to propel people towards a state a, st- a place where they get visibility and they can go get their own deals because people see the talent that they have. He he's like he's highlighting t- talent that they would not have gotten if Rory and Maul were not on bro, his platform. It's not a three sixty deal, bro. Like that would that would mean that if I leave my job and go to the next job, that that past job needs payment because it's they gave me fee. skills. It's a, it's a broker's fee. That's what I'm saying. You, it's you not a broker's give, fee you because give Joe Budden his his new like yo like give me a mill of that because. Without me, without me being Joe Budden, you'd not be Rory and Ma. But listen, they went independent first. It's not like they went straight from the Joe Budden podcast to Stitcher. Mm-hmm. They were independent for a while and continued to develop the audience. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, Rory has a lot of Palooza. You know, Ma has influence. Look at how many people are buying those backwards logo hats. Like it's a, it's becoming a trend. You know, so like to say that they would owe Joe Budden anything after he fires them on public platforms is insane to me, bro. You know what this is, man? This is like the revenge bod kind of uh, thing. You know, when you get when you break up revenge with an ex, bod, it's a revenge, revenge pod. It's a revenge pod. Yeah. You know, when you break up with an ex, you go like get in mad shape. You post IG. 
you start putting those like better yeah, without you type of facts, <laughs> facts. facts. You're like, like you see 10, me. Ten million dollars. I just did it. Like, you know, I'm happy for Rory and Mom, man. And that kind of comes back to what we are doing as creators. It shows like what we we're talking about earlier, the landscape of podcasting and how it's changing overall. Ten million dollars. And I think when people hear ten million dollars of a deal, we're really not understanding the magnitude of what those deals entail. So, you know, for you, like when you're looking at a $10 million deal for Stitcher, what do these companies see in a podcast to give them $10 million? Because Mm -hmm. I think when people, the audience is listening, they're like $10 million just to talk. But if we go behind the closed doors, let's get into what do these organizations see to give them a big payday like that? Well, listen, they have 200,000 subscribers. They're averaging about 100,000 views mm-hmm. per po- per episode on YouTube alone. YouTube alone. YouTube that alone. doesn't include audio platforms. So they're probably in the top 10% of podcasts, mm-hmm. you know. So this is a big move for Stitcher. And it's a big move for Stitcher to get into the urban space because there's not really that much urban platforms for the, the that platform stitcher you mm-hmm. know so i think that's the real move is the cultural cachet that they want to be associated with their brand because if you think about it which cultural brand like like a rory and mall it's on stitcher none i mean none. not that i know of right exactly so head, yeah so they're not just buying into rory and mall they're buying into the cultures what mm-hmm. they're really trying to do mm-hmm. when spotify bought joe button they bought into the hip-hop culture they were buying the number one hip-hop podcast yeah, they're hacking culture oh my god Oh my! I hate. I hate. Oh my god! They're hacking culture. They're Gary Vying. They're Gary Vying a heavy. Oh my gosh! I need to hack culture, guys. Are you you hacking culture? The the the, the macro is that we're getting in there and we're hacking culture. That's what I'm doing. It's 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 attention arbitrage. That's what it is. Attention arbitrage. Oh my god! So that's what Spotify did. That's what Stitcher is doing. Attention arbitrage. They're monetizing eyeballs or ears from Rory and Mom. (sighs) <sighs> yeah, if you say so. Yeah. Yeah, no, nah, you're right, you're right, you're right. But, you know who else uh, monetizing eyeballs? Who? Aussie Media. Aussie Media. Let's get into Aussie Media, guys. Um, if you don't know what Aussie Media is, it's a media organization that was uh, founded by Carlos Watson back in 2013. So for all of you guys who don't know who Carlos uh, uh, Watson is, he is a journalist... He's an entrepreneur, Harvard, Stanford graduate. He's been on MSNBC, was a host for MSNBC, appeared on CNN during like the 2004 election. Uh, he's been in the media space for quite some time. And in 2013, he decided he wanted to break the mold and wanted to pursue his own venture, start a media organization, which was going to really revolutionize the way media is presented, the way it's told. And he saw a vision on how to do this. Uh, Carlos Watson, he's a black media executive. That's a key part here. And uh, it goes into another discussion, which we're going to touch on later. But to paint the picture, Aussie Media has been in existence since 2013. And they've raised over, they've raised about, not over, but they've raised $70 million from prominent VCs and angel investors. Uh, Investors such as Airbnb. Uh, Goldman Sachs, Charlemagne, Charlemagne, um, heavy hitters, people who are in tech that you would not really have access to those people unless you are rubbing elbows with them in some sort of way. And that Stanford Harvard connection pays off heavily. So he is a black guy starting a media company. And from what we know about Carlos, he is um, he's a charming guy. Very smooth talker, very, very good at what he does and selling the vision. And when you get into the story about the culture of Aussie media, from what people are saying in the story from New York Times and the um, other articles that we've read is people are being overworked. The content, take this in, bro. People who are applying to work at Aussie media as a freelance writer, you first have to submit 20 to 30 pieces of work. 20 to 20 30? to 30 pieces, right? The interview, the interview process is crazy. It's like you got to go through a tedious process and you got to submit stories ahead before you even work at Aussie Media. 
It's insane, man. So they have crazy hiring practices, about three-month try-out phases to see if you're fit for Aussie media. So the the news is here is that Aussie media has been inflating their numbers. They have been lying to investors of how they're performing. And um, there's also something they've been doing in terms of buying ads. There's a strategy here that you know you you can get deeper into it. But to get before that, they were deceiving investors of how they were doing to raise a 70 million. The big thing that made this whole House of Cards fall is his COO was lying and he was presenting himself as a YouTube executive on calls. And he had a fake YouTube email that I'm a YouTube representative from this to represent Aussie media. (laughs) Can you imagine? You're lying that you're a YouTube executive. Like you are, that is just crazy to me. So, real talk now. Do you believe that Carlos had no idea that he was doing this knowing carlos and from what i've read so far there's no way that and from what he's lying about investors by numbers i think in the mind of an entrepreneur when your fate when your back is against the wall you're gonna do anything to really get through so as a part of it i can sympathize why he would do that because i'll admit there's some things that i have perhaps inflated a little bit just to really get ahead uh there's a couple stats you're like hey you know we've done so and so it's part of just you know survival in a way um to get the conversation going and then from then on you can really craft the story to really present the true honest picture of it so i think to really not have the door shut down when you have those opportunities i don't really agree that you should say you're a youtube executive but i can understand why some people would say half truths for what they're doing no, that wasn't a half shoot. That was a whole lot. <laughs> that was a whole lot. But I can understand at his magnitude, he will not, a half truth will not really get him through the door. So you got to yeah. show, oh, a YouTube executive, we're talking to a YouTube executive, we're getting through the door. All right, let's get, let's get to it. But with doing that, it comes with consequences, heavy consequences. And now we're seeing that Aussie shut down. But going back to that whole thing we're talking about, like the way they're presenting their ads and their, their whole business model. Share more about that. What were they doing to really uh, get revenue through the door? Man, that's a great point. Before you get into that, let's take a quick break and then thank our sponsors and get back to the show. So I have a question for you. What's the best email marketing platform for creators? It's ConvertKit. It combines powerful automation with an easy-to-use interface. The heart of their business is their visual automation tool that allows you to deliver the right message to your audience at the right time. They have pre-built landing pages and forms, so creating and sending out copy is extremely easy. I personally use it with my business when I'm doing webinars. And you can use it too. Right now, we have an exclusive offer for you. ConvertKit is giving you a premium membership with full access to the landing pages, forms, and email marketing for free, up to 1,000 subscribers. They are one of the only platforms that allows you to add your Facebook pixel to it for free. It allows you to create automation and it allows you to get the ball rolling with your business. And of course, it integrates with Shopify, Wix, Squarespace, Gumroad, and a ton of other platforms. So what you're going to do, you're going to hit the podcast description and click the link there to get you to this premium account. It's an amazing service. So make sure you try it out, guys. Let me know how it goes for you. I want to know. All right. Let's get, so let's get back into it. We're let's talking it. about Aussie media and their structure of how they would pay for ads mm-hmm. to boost their audience. So this is a, a arbitrage theory that I'm actually very used to. Um, and I've done it before. Essentially what happens is they would pay for ads. Mm-hmm. So people will come and listen, watch, or indulge in their content right before an advertiser has to um, get data on their content. So just for example, they start a contract from th- for three months, and on month two and a half, they're like, yo, we don't have enough numbers. What's going to happen? And they hire a wit media, they hire you know an agency, or they have someone internally to start spending money. They start spending 10, 15, 20K, 
getting people to either watch it on pre-roll YouTube to click over to the actual video. Um, they spend Facebook dollars. They spend whatever dollars to get people into that platform. Yep. Once they view that platform, that's when they start incre- increasing their numbers to get them to a specific point where they can say, all right, we have hit your impression goal. Because mm-hmm. usually that's what it is. It's usually impressions that they have to fulfill. So it's actually quite for like regular to actually go about this process to you know fulfill impressions or fulfill whatever goal to you know get that contract fulfilled. So it's actually standard practice to be honest with you. I've seen that a lot of people do that. I've worked in companies that have done it. So. People people were saying that it's not really what a media company should be doing of that magnitude. Listen, bear companies do it. Even bear even the ones that we talk about, like let's say BuzzFeed. But the BuzzFeed do it. Vox does it. Yeah. You know, your National Post. Fortune. Your, for, they all do it. If you ever see a ad for news, that's what they're doing. You know? And the thing is, is that if you look, if you look at it, I actually looked at his numbers, and they usually kind of co- coincide with end of the month, mm-hmm. you know, um, time period. So I'm like, okay, that's what's happening. He gets 300 views for 15 videos. Then the last video, he needs to fulfill their impressions. He advertises on that, wipes out their impressions, fulfills the contract. So, I, so from an advertising standpoint, they're like, he's doing his job. Yeah, we paid him for this much impressions. It was a premium rate, but he fulfilled their impressions. The company's blessed. And honestly, like as an entrepreneur, you can say that's smart marketing. That's a smart business plan. But at the same time, it's not sustainable because you're not developing an organic audience who's coming to see you continuously. You know what I'm saying? I actually checked out his content before this whole scandal happened. I don't know if you checked it out or you heard of it. Uh, one, two videos. It was decent. It was decent. Yeah. Yo, I noticed that he was always like having references to himself. You know what I'm saying? And I, I was like, noticed that. Yeah, I noticed that. Like he was having, in one video, it was like, you know, when you, when you have like a cut to a different scene, yeah. it, w- it would have pictures of him instead of B-roll. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's interesting. You know, but in terms of us as content creators, when it comes to ha- working with brands, this is a strategy that a lot of us can use if they are demanding too much. You know, hey, Target wants us to have uh, 10 million impressions to complete this deal. All right. Well, if the deal is worth $200,000 and I spend 50000 on ads, I make a 150K and then fulfill everything. You know, so it, it's it's. So is it profitable, though? Yes. It is. It is, because he was going for years with this. He didn't get caught off of them the um off this scheme that he's doing not scheme, I don't know, strategy that yeah. he's doing. Um he got booked off the YouTube stuff. The YouTube stuff. You know? Man. And uh, honestly though, advertisers don't care yeah. because if it fulfills what they want, people still get to read the content or listen to the content and they can report back that this was a good deal. And their jobs are easier. And also, they don't get the content clash that happens sometimes. So, for instance, if I'm an advertiser and George Floyd happens, I'm now advertising on, let's say, Blavity, and George Floyd happens, I'm like, yo... I don't want to be on a George Floyd, someone getting choked out mm-hmm. on my, on my, next to my ad. Mm-hmm. I don't want that. Yeah. Take that off. <laughs> Honestly, when I was working at media companies, they were negative targeting anything BLM. Let mm-hmm. that sink in, bro. These advertisers don't care about black lives like that when it comes to um, their ads actually being placed on it. When it comes to customer facing things of course yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Sure, we, 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 we love black lives we matter. love black lives matter we love pushing blm guys no, but, here's well, a fund exactly we'll fund black businesses we know the whole rhetoric man. but on the back end it was a whole different story yeah whole different story and the negative news targeting is a real thing for creatives mm-hmm. when it comes to um you know reporting on different things when it comes to having their ads placed on on different con- pieces of content so it's an unfortunate reality and it hurts news because they, they're incentivized to not cover it because now it gets them to to more money while negating their audience mm-hmm. so it, it's it's a weird thing and and we're seeing ozzy being on that other end mm-hmm. where he doesn't have to report on the real life situations all he has to do is have fluff and get a lot of media and this brings us to roland martin 
because Mr. Roland Martin. Who's Roland know, Martin, bro? Bro, if you don't know who Roland Martin is, you're sleeping under a rock. Roland Martin's one of the biggest news providers in America. One of the biggest black news providers in America. And he has a huge business in America when it comes to creating content. We actually kind of spotted him at AfroTech. AfroTech and Yeah, we saw him doing this thing, you know, and it was... was in the zone, too. Like in the zone. He's like in it. Like, when you see someone in their zone, Roland Martin was just there. He was working his computer. He's working his camera. Completely in flow. Yeah. He looked pro. It's like, this is what a pro content creator is like. (laughs) This is what they do. Not phased. Word. He didn't look like he was trying to associate with nobody. He's like, I'm coming here to report Mm -hmm. and get the heck out of here. You know, he was just in and out, honestly. And he actually commented on this Aussie media um, scandal because it's a testament to what's going on in the media, you know, industry because Aussie is reporting on fluff. He's having these conversations with celebrities where he's not pushing them to actually tackle deep conversational issues. And he's not really pushing them to, you know, get to that next level or report on the real life things that's going on. So, Ron Martin is. And that's where a lot of advertisers don't want to be because they don't want to... Go ahead. Before going Roland Ron Martin, bro, like, what are his numbers? His numbers are huge. He's the, he's in the millions. He he's has in the millions. hundreds of hundred k subs. Yeah, exactly. Views two hundred k views a, a video, two hundred thousand views a video. Um, watch time, his uh not like views, but average watch time. It's like up there. Like people watch his videos. They completely consume his content. And going back to like what advertisers want, they want to see how long people stay on your platform for. Mm-hmm. So the issue with Roland Martin is that. He's looking at Aussie Media, and this is a black-owned media company. He's thinking, you're giving this guy $70 million? OZ Media, Carlos Watson, Silver News Queen, founded OZ Media. They announced today uh, that they are shutting down. The New York Times did a huge story on them where people were questioning their numbers. Things were not adding up. Uh, they were sitting here, how they were buying their buying okay. their um buying their Thank numbers you. uh they were they were they, they were busted by trying to impersonate a youtube executive but here's what i need you to understand something carlos watson said last year oz did about 50 million dollars in revenue so while we've been out here fighting these companies getting money you know what these companies were doing according to the wall street journal they were like oh to satisfy sending money to black owned media minority owned media we're going to give it to oz because he's black he's black he's it's black owned he's a founder now we know that it was built on fraud, meaning fraudulent numbers, meaning they could not justify it. So the real issue for all of those advertisers out there and all of those companies and all of those individuals who accepted their numbers, how in the hell y'all been making us jump through hoops to justify our numbers, which are real, which are public, but you didn't do it for them. See, folks, this is truly black-owned media. And what we have been doing is building something here. So let me just give y'all some numbers. All y'all sitting out there, all of you advertisers, okay? Because I know what y'all also did. Oh, Carlos is safe. Because, see, that's what part of the problem here, not these white execs. They, they, oh, what's a safe black man or black woman to give to? I know the game that's being played. And we've built up an organic audience over years with no funding, really. And we don't get we don't get any play at all. We don't even get a conversation. Why is that? Mm-hmm. So here's the thing. You kind of discussed it earlier. Yeah. Carlos comes from the panache background. Walk me through his background again. Panache. Great word. Panache is the elite class of people in corporate America. They come from a subsect of specific prestigious schools, such as Stanford, Yale, Harvard, Penn, Brown. You know the whole lot. Uh, When you go to these institutions, it's easy to build relationships with individuals who work in corporate America who could easily pick up your phone call because, hey, we were in the same class together we were in the same frat together we were saying we we're in the same uh society together 
So he worked at Goldman Sachs. And when Goldman Sachs, he built a lot of relationships with power brokers. He worked in media in MSNBC. He worked on presidential campaigns when CNN worked with Larry King, Wolf Blitzer, the big bigs of the media giants. He is in with them. Talking about Carlos, very sophisticated in terms of black man, you know, maintains a corporate brand. Mm-hmm. As Kevin Samuels would say, you know, like cut your hair short, clean, buzz cut lineup, uh, extremely good talker. He talks. He's, you know, when people think the black culture, he is one who is like the like as they call it, like a square. I guess you'd say. Is that, am I right? Am I wrong to say that? Not square, but he is what he will not make uh, Caucasians feel uncomfortable in mm-hmm. the same room with them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, and if yeah. you bring in like a Roland Martin, he's un- unapologetically black. Yeah, All right. Carlos has corporate breath. Mar Marlin, sorry, um, Roland does not exactly point blank period. Point blank period. So Roland is mad because he played the game well to be able to get that seventy mil. But Roland, even though with his numbers, these guys don't really care because they don't like you like that. And it goes back to that whole thing with hiring practices. Some companies would rather take a grad who went to Yale, who has no experience at all, than to take the guy who went to, let's say, Rutgers, who is working in the same industry, has experience. But just because that guy went to Yale, he has relationships. They're like, we can mold him. We can mm-hmm. work him in. We can give him that experience. That's how it, that's how it is, even with raising money. Your mm-hmm. metrics do matter, but... They are investing in you at the end of the day. And with Roland, the impression he gives us is if he were to work with these guys, they'd want him to do a certain way. They want to move a certain way. And Roland is not going to be about that. So we're not really opening your emails. We're not letting you in the door. We'll interact with you. But it's like, you know, when you have a circle, then an inner circle, they'll be like, okay, you can come in the circle, but you're left on the outside. You can't come through this door. This is for us. Mm-hmm. This is where we're eating. Like, you mm-hmm. can't eat at the same table with yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll mingle outside, but in here, no. This is not for you, bro. So, it sucks. It sucks for guys like Roland. You know what it is, bro? You can't control Roland Martin. You can't control him. You can't control him. That's the real issue, man. So, at the end of the day, you know, Roland... Shout out to you, bro. Shout out to what you're creating. If you ever want some Canadian black podcasters on your network, come to Hustle Over Everything. Let's talk. You know what I'm saying? Let's take a quick break and get back into the show. We're back. So one thing I want to talk about is actually what Roland had to say to What did he say? He called him out. Because one thing that I found very interesting is that Yo, they got a lot of money, man. 70, 70 mil, 5 mil stopped. 5K paused on it. You know, so basically, once the scandal happened with him faking the YouTube exec. Did we get into that, by the way? Did we give him enough we, detail? We get, we get, we just briefly got So, so let's quickly, let's, let's dive in real yeah. quick. So what happened was, Roland, not Roland, Carlos Watson... And his team, his COO. Samir Rao. All right. So they were trying to get Goldman Sachs to invest in the company. And in this call, he moved them off of Zoom and went from Zoom to a conference call, old school, and was like, hey, yeah, I'm the YouTube guy. And was trying to finesse them through presenting as a YouTube exec. They, They booked him. And stop the deal. If the deal had won through, they would have been, they would have been in jail. Mm-hmm. But the deal did not go through. And Carlos had a huge New York Times article got against him, with multiple accusations from um, hiring practices to Ozzy Osbourne like, suing them and a whole bunch of nonsense. So it's been a consistent, you know, line of scandals around Ozzy Media, mm-hmm. you know, and. Going back to Roland Martin now, Roland is looking at this and saying, hey, oh, 70 million? You know what my team could do with 70 million? 5 million? Mm-hmm. You know what my team could do with 5 million? 
And it goes to show that there is a discrepancy between um, what these companies can do and what they are doing. So where do we go from here, man? What do you think they're going to go from here? Do you think that they're going to actually have that conversation with Roland? And I think Roland was trying to like strong arm them into saying, hey, like, why are you not giving me this money? Yeah. And I think where Roland, from the statements that we were talking about earlier, I think he's going about it the wrong way. Mm-hmm. I think you got to learn how. And I think Roland knows how to play the game, mm-hmm. but he doesn't know how to play the Silicon Valley game. Mm-hmm. that's the thing that's the thing between guys like carlos and guys like roland mm-hmm. you need to learn how to speak corporate breath and i know roland does but i think his morals and 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 just way of doing business and ethics he's too authentic to go down to that level of playing that game the code switch the code switching that's not who that's why he's independent that's why he does his own thing so you're telling me an independent guy who's built a massive audience, now I got to play this cookie-cutter game just to get money. You know, th- there has to be a line between that where I'm like, hey, uh, I really need to get this $50 million, but I got to do this. It's like you're bending to your, you're getting on your knees and just doing what they're saying. And he's a proud black guy. He's a proud black man. He's achieved a lot. And I don't see him doing that. So it comes into, it comes into that point where you're saying, what gives? You got to find a way to really finesse the whole system. And business is all about finessers. You got to find a way to be able to go through rooms and work through those uh, conversations to really get to where you want to get to. And if you can't play it, then I'm sorry. You're not going to win. There's a lot of businesses out here doing $10 million or whatever, but they can go to the next level if they got that extra investment. But if you don't know how to talk VC, as Mandela used to say, you're not going to get in there. Yeah. So, hey, it's uh, it sucks, but just that's just the way it is. I'm I I feel bad, but I know the reality. When, yeah. So you know, Roland. But the thing is, Roland will still be able to secure the bag. You know? He still can, but just not from those guys though. Like you know, he'll secure maybe a couple million, but seventy million, you need like institutional capital for that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that if he hires the right guys who can speak that talk. Who has that arsenal? Who have been from there? Then maybe he can, you know. But bruv, he's not the kind of guy who I'm like, hey, I'm gonna go get people to represent me from my he has co- a sales team. Yeah, but if you're talking to like Brian Chesky, CEO of Airbnb, to give you money, you need to be talking to Brian Chesky face to face. I'm not need a representative. It's like us, bro. If I tell you, hey, you know what? We know how these VCs work. We need to go hire like another public facing guy. To go talk for us. How would that make you feel? Mm-hmm. You've worked you've worked so hard over years to build an audience, and you're gonna go get someone to represent your organization to bring money in. That's what the sales team does, though, for entrepreneurs. Okay, are we talking about investors here or business? Got you. I was, I'm, I'm talking. I'm talking investors. You're talking investors. I'm talking invest- for investors, it has to be face to face. Exactly. For business, all right. So, so for investors, yeah, Roland's going to have to go yeah, face to face. Of course, he has to be. But for advertisers, okay, no. That five mil that that Roland got paused. Uh, sorry, that Carlos got paused, and Roland can actually send his team after. Yeah. They can. They can probably win that. They can definitely do it, man. I think they, and I think that's where Roland can actually explore other avenues to get that. Mm-hmm. Five to ten mil because money, like numbers, talk. Mm-hmm. Everything in life begins and ends with a number. Everything, everything, everything. So if you can show up numbers, people are gonna open the doors for you. If you say, "Hey, this is our audience," but you need money to get in there to pay those people, and I think he's just kind of it's gonna be a perpetual cycle because you know the number. If we had ten salespeople out in the field, we can do this number. But now I'm only stuck with two, so it's limiting my ability to grow and take the next level. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just the way it is with business, man. It's hey, we can only make twenty runs of t-shirts and sell them, and then make that profit, take the profit, build. Like you can't grow like that, Thanks. you know. So it's it's it comes down to economics, and it, it's just the way the numbers break down to, man. And I think that five million can take him to the next level, but who's gonna take that chance on Roland and allow him to be Roland? Man, there's some businesses, man. I feel like there will be. Uh, honestly, it's just got to find the match. It's a numbers game at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. It's so, a numbers game, bro. Where, but honestly, bro, I need to tell you about something completely different. 
and switch topics, bro. I found this hack when it comes to getting the bag as a business owner that is so different. All right, so take this in. I'm going to actually do the example on you so you can All right. take in. So, yo, make, make me the guy. All right. So, yo, you have an Instagram page of 20,000 followers. Or like true organic followers. True organic followers, okay. right? And I'm an advertiser. Yo, how much is for how much do you charge for Instagram post? 20k. What does a post reach? Cuz it's not going to reach the whole 20k. Let's say it reaches 20,000 people. So I have 20,000 followers. Yeah, it reaches, it reaches 20k. A post everyone's going to see it. Yeah, 20,000 people will see it. Hashtag included. I'll charge 5 grand a post. 5 grand. 5 grand. Okay. Now, and that's for a permanent post. Yep. Okay. So now how much for a month? Uh, just to like keep it there for a month and delete it? Yeah. And maybe cut down into... Ah, man. Actually, I feel like I'm charging cheap here. I'd say if it's permanent there, I'll say 10 grand. And mm-hmm. then maybe... No, you can't change it now. You already okay. had a conversation. Okay, you can't okay, go okay, back. Okay. okay, okay. Can't go back. So five grand, forever, infinite. I post for a month, I'd say a thousand. A thousand. Yeah. Okay. So now how much for two weeks? Five uh, five bills. Five bills. Yeah. Now how much for one week? Two fifty. Two fifty. Yeah. Now how much for one day? Uh let's say eighty five bucks. Eighty five bucks. Now how much for four hours? 50 bucks. 50 bucks. Yeah. This is the gem, bro. 50 bucks for a post from 5,000. You caught me. That, yo. So this is a gem I learned from um, Support Black Colleges on the David Shands Never um, Sleepers for Suckers podcast. Mm-hmm. Shout out to David Shands. Yo, you should come on the podcast. We have a podcast on podcast, by the way. So shout out to David Shands. Appreciate you, bro. Yo. That gem right there, I was like, yo, I got to do this. That is so monumental. Yeah, man. When you break it down like that, I was like, I started realizing that I'm charging so little for my following. Mm-hmm. Because you started me out from a 20K. I was like, okay, five grand for a post. Then you break it down to other different forms of, hey, you forget that you can just keep it for a week. Because mm-hmm. when I think of a post, I'm thinking this is staying up forever. Mm-hmm. But there's a day, there's stories, there's other different areas you can sell. So I was so unaware of that. And I think this is like what you're highlighting, what you're going to next is actually mind-blowing that I didn't even think about until you brought it up. Yo, so we got to do that for the the merch once we start dropping more merch. By the way, we have merch at hustleovereverything.co. Purchase. Go check that out. Check that out. You know what I'm saying? Um, I thought that was such a monumental point because he has a seven-figure business um, probably going to be eight stri- strictly off support black colleges, you know? Mm-hmm. And I thought that was like such a big thing that our audience could use when it comes to approaching influencers because influencers is the game. And here's another thing that he uses too, is that once you post that, he said, Hey, I can repost that. Right. Mm-hmm. And he'll repost that on his page and get other pages to repost it as well and do the exact same thing with other pages. Get what I'm saying? So he'll get Shade Room to repost it, or three other people to repost it. So that he's one like, post. He's like quadruple dipping. Quadruple dipping, bro. On everything. On everything. Wow. Bro, so we've been sleeping on how this social media game is working. I mean, bro, I've been sleeping. I've been sleeping too. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so that really got me. I was like, damn, all right, we got to execute on that because that is a big. Jam. Big, big jam, man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think that's a great, great way to close it out. And before we get work towards wrapping up, anything else you want to talk about as we're here, bro? A lot of these people are going to have to show vaccine passports. And I think this is like a, a big topic that we have to discuss mm-hmm. how this is going to impact small businesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, what What's your take on it? The vaccine passports and small businesses? Exactly. <sighs> I think vaccine passports is a lap dog of the rich. And a guard dog of the poor, mm. you know. Um, Expand on that. That's a profound statement to say. So, when it comes to arenas, mm. when it comes to you know big show, when there's big money in their eating center, you know all the big malls, 
for some reason they don't have to check as much. And if they do, then it's a quick statement. They have the logistics to get that done. For a small business, like a small restaurant, small boutique, it's a lot tougher, you know. So it's going to be a lot tougher to actually execute that. Hopefully they can, but we'll see if they can. It's like, it feels crazy to be like, hey, here's my Eventbrite ticket. Here's my vaccine passport. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting issue to see. I think a lot of, a lot of businesses are going to just, you know, not do it personally. I mean, a lot of businesses are doing it. I mean, I was going out to dinner and drinks yesterday. I mean, I sat at the patio, mm-hmm. and uh, I was like, "Hey, if you want to go to the pat, if you want to go inside, like, so like, yeah, just let me know. I just have to check your vaccine status and uh, vaccination status." And I just found that so appalling mm-hmm. because I've been to this restaurant many of times mm-hmm. during the pandemic, doing everything, and I it's just weird over like a one week period the government just says check people for vaccination status and businesses have to follow and people have to remember this is a mandate it's not actual law it's not actual law that you have to do this so it sucks that these restaurants inside have to operate at 50 percent capacity and then scotia bank arena can fill up at full capacity, people are going to watch the Raptors and the Leafs at full capacity. So I feel bad for these businesses because they are 50% capacity. They're being told that you have to check vaccine passports. And these are businesses that were serving everyone before the vax. We're at close to 90% vaccination now. So why do we need to segregate people from entering establishments when they were already doing it? It just feels like there's a lot of moving goalposts each and every single day, and businesses are suffering from this. Were they allowed to have people inside during the pandemic? Uh, inside, I mean, it was an outdoor, outdoor, outdoor seating, eating. Yeah, outdoor yeah. seating. But just even like inside, people could because like we could have sat inside too. Like before, mm-hmm. this just came in about four weeks ago that you have to check, you have to show papers when mm-hmm. you go inside. So now businesses are faced with so much more people even quitting. Like restaurant workers, this is part of the great resignation. Like, you know, that whole thing that's going on. People are quitting their jobs. So restaurant workers are like, okay, yo, if I'm being forced to do this, their customers are giving us a hard time. I'm leaving. I'm, I'm done. I'm quitting. There's, there's more to life than this. So you have bum and pop shops, which have been in business for years. And they're being closed down. And I love small business because... It's the backbone of the economy. And for them just to shut down because they're being told of mandates, these are not actual laws, mm-hmm. it it's just sucks. And the thing is, there's no proof of 50% capacity. No proof at all. Like, I mean, no, um, as they call it, the science, show us the numbers that support this 50% capacity. It just feels that we're getting this perpetual cycle in our culture where we're hearing what the government is saying and not really questioning it and it's just going with it because at the end of the day, it is like a health thing, but the health part of it is really, you know, health is one of those things that can really get into someone's psyche and be like, hey, this is health. This is part of whatever. So it's easily, you can penetrate people's minds using such a thing as health to, to say certain things, but it's not fair when you don't actually show the proof and the backing of it say, hey, we have 50% capacity because we've seen restaurants do this, 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 and that. Cynthia Mulligan, City News TV, was pressing these guys on TV live on air. You know, you have Air Canada open, air, not Air Canada Center, you have Scotiabank Arena open for the Leafs game tonight, but yet restaurant owners are not uh, allowed to have it. And then this guy was playing with his words and it's like, well, you know, like in restaurant, like the the, the spray and the whole reach of your when you're talking it's easier to <laughs> spread it it's like how does that make sense when you have a full arena and a business owner 50 percent, and and people can't even eat at a restaurant that serves maybe 20 30 tables mm-hmm. and the guys well you know we don't have the data to protect that but that is just the decision to do that so that's what makes me angry is people are losing their livelihoods they're losing their businesses they've worked hard to build because of people telling them this is what they're doing and they're not even getting the information on why they should be doing that that's that's my gripe with this whole thing 
and it just sucks that this is the lane we're going, man. And and it's not the pandemic is here, but this is just a way of doing business that is here to stay. And it's just scary to see what's to come. That's how I feel. I feel very, very sad for small businesses, bro. Yeah, it's the unfortunate reality. It's the unfortunate reality that there's going to be apps to come that the business is going to have to check in. And um, there's going to be people trying to hack a system, of course, you know, whether it be um, getting fake IDs to scan. There's going to be people trying to, uh, there's going to be businesses trying to subvert around it. Mm-hmm. It's the reality of it. And honestly, I think it sucks, but I'm trying to think, what else can we do? You know, honestly, it feels weird because that stadium shouldn't be allowed to be open. It's the money. Let's mm-hmm. keep it a buck. It's the, it's it, the dollars. It's the dollars. There's a, the reason why is because they can't afford to start to continue to lose all this money. That's the real problem. Yeah. You know, um, they can't afford to have all these people in their hospitals because if the hospitals start crashing, then... No. But bro, What's hospital that? starts crashing. Why are we firing the nurses? In a real pandemic, the nurses will not be the last ones who lose their jobs if they're if just because of a of a job thing. And the vaccine's been out for uh, a year now, ten months. What are you gonna do when you kick these people out the store? And then you're, you know, it's 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 make it make sense to me. Since when does it take dollars to make sense, bro? Bro, I. So now we're trying to discussing getting that. All right, so here's the thing. Not not like let's not go into the vaccine chat, bro. But okay. like what I'm saying is just like it's stuff like that that it just doesn't equate. There's just a lot of stuff that doesn't make sense that's impacting people's livelihoods and jobs and businesses that I think it's a scary spot for small business owners. For small business owners, yes. It's definitely a scary spot. But the thing is that people are adamant about going out. It, right now, listen, we had an event. It was overpacked. People are thirsty to go out. People are thirsty to go out. So if business owners can market themselves properly, they'll get people in the door. You know what I'm saying? It, it falls back on them to be able to market and bring people in the door and fill those doors up mm-hmm. or fill those rooms up. Mm-hmm. That's what it really boils down to. If you're a good marketer, you'll be able to sell products either online or in-store and get traffic in. You know what I'm saying? No matter what the cause is, no matter if if, if it's a vaccine passport, a hailstorm, you should be able to still market and get people in the doors. As as crazy as that. So unless there's something with the actual business like like supply chain, you know, um, workers can't come in. But if all that can be checked off, you can still be able to get people in those doors, man. So you're saying that Hey, this is just the way it is. This is the reality, and we gotta adapt. It's the, exactly. It's adapt or die. It's adapt or die. Let's keep it. Let's keep it real. You know, like what's complaining really gonna do? Nothing. Nothing, bro. It's adapt or die. It's adapt or die, bro. That's the reality of it. The reality is, there's gonna be apps that we're gonna have to show, and they're gonna have to scan. The reality is, it's harder to to advertise now. But there's still censorship. has to be ways. The censorship. The reality is, you know, you still have to get people through those doors. So you got to get on Instagram. You got to get on TikTok. You got to get advertising and bring people in. You know? Yeah, it's just it's it's tough. a tough pill to swallow. It's a tough pill to swallow. But you got to swallow it, man. You got to get some water and chug it. It's like uh, Robitussin, bro. It tastes, it tastes, it tastes, it tastes a, horrible, but it works. A Buckley's. <laughs> it's a Buckley's. Buckley's. Yeah, word, word. So you got to keep it a buck with Buckley's and just swallow that. Swallow just, that, man. And just live with it, man. You're a first small business owner. And the thing is, though, is that they're about to open up the the um the actual restrictions. There used to be 25 people, um, and there used to be a minimum capacity, 50%, but they're opening that up. Oh, they are, eh? They're opening it up. Let's, let me look it up just to be sure. So, yeah, so we just checked out. Um, globalnews.ca and right now it's already it's already live Ontarians can begin downloading QR codes for COVID-19 vaccine passport based on birth month that's the headline gotta show papers man <laughs> so here's what it reads starting Friday and into the weekend eligible Ontario residents will be able to download their QR codes to be used as proof of vaccination against COVID uh, for entering some non-essential businesses so it's already there 
But to, to your point, man, there's actually uh, an article on CBC about the, the bias. You know, um, here's the headline. It reads, Ontario venues say new COVID-19 rules create double standard for standard concerts. I'm going to read that again. Ontario venues say new COVID-19 rules create double standard for standard concerts. So general admission venues will still face dramatically reduced capacity limits, whereas places like the, the Toronto FC Stadium can... Mad capacity. Have so much capacity. So indoor concerts are slowly coming back to life in, in Ontario, specifically. Um, but venue owners say the latest COVID-19 guidelines will dampen any significant return to live music in the coming months. At first glance, new rules that lifted the capacity limits in select settings last weekend seems to allow 100% capacity at all live shows. This is huge, bro. And this is good for us, too, because we want to start doing events uh, and start having like actual networking events for us. It's just like you got to show papers. That's it. You got to show papers. So, however, venue owners say that they were disappointed to learn the policies only apply to spaces with seating, mostly stadiums, arenas, and theaters. That's left smaller venues without seating unable to hold shows unless they install chairs, a move they say drastically reduces capacity and makes some planned concerts unfeasible. Chairs? Chairs, bro. Chairs? This is like the club. It's just like you can't get in unless you order a table, bro. Bro. Like, are you dumb? What? <laughs> what? Bro, chairs. chairs. Chairs, bro. That is actually, I, you know what I'm saying, bro? Th- this is the type of stuff that grinds my gears. It's like these little Nicky Nacks rules and whatever, which just kind of like box you into like one way of operating. Yeah. You can't even operate yeah. because I'm like, I can't even go to the bar unless I get tables. I'm one guy. So it's just everyone sitting. It's like a lounge fest now. There's no bar. There's no dancing anymore. Yeah. I mean, there's some guys who have their venues open, but like, yo, like th- th- this is actually annoying, man. I- I'm going to let it out, man. I'm pissed. You know, bro, I'm cheesed because this is. I feel like I'm living life just with instructions in a manual. I can't mm-hmm. even operate and go where I want to go. Mm-hmm. Via Rail. I was just on Via Rail to Montreal two months ago. Now I got to show papers. Mm-hmm. When I was masked up. Mm-hmm. We went to America. We were masked up. Now we're back. Now I got to show papers again. Yeah. It's And other countries are free to go. Like all the Nordic countries, Sweden, Norway, are all operating in a way of just, hey, it's fully, and they're 90% vaxxed. Mm-hmm. Well, Amsterdam, you gotta get, you gotta show everything. Now, twenty second next next uh, Friday, you gotta download the Verifier app. Mm-hmm. And that's gonna be a whole new situation too. Oh yeah, yeah. Situation. Yeah, man. But yo, let's work towards wrapping up. Let's wrap it up, minute, Alex. You know let's wrap it up. Yo, that that four hour gem. Honestly, we gotta you gotta use it. If you, you didn't take that, that in, this that's gonna be the clip. By the way, we gotta do that. Yeah, but uh. If you've been enjoying this podcast, firstly, thank you. Send us a DM. What do you think of the conversation? You know, we want to make this asynchronous conversations. You know what I'm saying? So send us a DM. We'll shout you out. Shout out to Uber, by the way. Uber. Uber DM'd us talking about the podcast. Yeah, saying how She, she loved an InvestFest yeah. recap. You know what I'm saying? So shout out to that. Shout out to um, the Drip T.O. podcast. We have fans. Yeah, we got, we got fans. We, we got fans. listeners, man. I appreciate everybody who's listened out. Um, shout out to um, Curtis. I appreciate you for listening, Vermont. man. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have any questions, any statements, we'll feature on the next pod. Shout us out. You know Vermont, bro. Fun fact. Uh, do you know which five states make up New England? No. So it's actually a great, interesting point to close it out. So the five states, when you say New England, you know, when you're in New England, you never thought what New England is, right? Not at all. Yeah, exactly, right? So New England composes of five states. So Massachusetts, uh, Vermont, Maine, New Hampshire, and uh, Rhode Island. So when you think of New England area, it's like that whole joint. So Boston, the Massachusetts, that's what New England is. And Vermont is one of them. So when I just heard Curtis Vermont, I just thought I should just give you some gems. That's interesting. Yeah. Huh. Never knew that. New England area. Yeah. Five states that make up New England. Interesting. Okay, cool. 
With that being said, ladies and gentlemen, the hustle is what you can control. So control your grind and control your life. I'm Alex. And I'm Owen. And that's hustle over everything, y'all. Peace. Peace. Thank you so much for listening. The conversation continues on our Instagram at 247Hustler. We post very frequently. And be sure to check out our merch at hustleovereverything.co. We have some amazing sweaters, hats, mugs, and a lot more. Lastly, our Proud to Pay program is linked in the description below. Thank you so much for your support. Talk to you next Monday. Peace.